Day 46. The heart knows. It feels like there are changes going on in my heart. I went to see one of my oldest friends last night. We've known each other for 50 years, ever since we were little girls, dreaming big dreams together. She's a remarkable woman, and she's incredibly talented and courageous. It was good to see her and to be in the presence of somebody that's known me for so long. We talked about those little girl dreams, and she said, I'm living them now. I have peace of mind. I'm not ruled by money. I'm doing the thing I most want to do, which is paint, and I know things are going to turn. We talked about Colonel Sanders and all these people that hit their stride later in their lives. We talked about how our lives look nothing like the lives most of us were prepared to live growing up. Her declarations and our conversation inspired me and tuned me into the sense of change inside my heart. It feels a little scary, but I'm just observing it. I guess it feels scary because it has to do with where I live, in and in between Alaska and New Jersey, and what I want. I'm realizing that I'm desiring a great love in my life and wondering where I need to be for that experience to manifest. I'm thinking about my mom and the future and all that I want to come to pass. Things are being rearranged in my heart, and I'm actually able to bear witness to the process and possible outcomes. I wonder if the caterpillar has this awareness when it begins to rearrange its own organs to become the butterfly. If not, that could be a hugely distressing time. I'm thankful for my awareness of my heart. Day 47, A Mother and Child Reunion Today is Mother's Day, and I have a really great mom. She appropriately makes me crazy. She's very hip and is a wonderful supporter of my dreams and my confusion. We had a lovely time together. My mom used to work in a salon as a manicurist, and she's still quite good at it. I have my father's fingers and never really went for nail color or anything, but my mom wanted to do manicures. We were sitting together as she was filing my nails, and she asked me a question. Why exactly are you going back to Alaska? It was an interesting moment one where I didn't necessarily have an answer. I thought, what is going on? I was talking about the projects I've been involved in and some of the seemingly unmanifested intentions and being uncertain about where to go. She said, I never had that. When I was growing up, I never had the opportunity to ask those questions. I never had the kind of life where I was thinking about what I wanted to do and then how I was going to do it. In her generation, women grew up with a very specific roadmap. Get married, have children, be a wife and a mother. It was a beautiful, eye-opening moment to sit there with my mom, who is 86, going on about my stuff and my perceived problems, only to hear her express envy that she didn't have the chance to think the way I was thinking. She didn't have the chance to dream the way I'm able to dream. It just really touched my heart. Today I'm going to put all of my self-centered analysis down after this video. Today I'm going to be fully available and fully in love with my mom. I'm going to laugh with her and take pictures and celebrate all that she sacrificed to be a mother of three daughters. I'm grateful that she's alive. I'm looking forward to spending the day with my mom and my sister Janice, all of us missing my other sister in Alaska. I give thanks for these powerful, strong women who have shown me what it's like to be a mom. 
They are all tremendous inspirations to me, and they also inspire me to be mindful of the mothering we do for ourselves. So to the mother within me that mothers the child within me, I say, Happy Mother's Day. It is indeed a mother and child reunion on many levels. Day 48. The grand design of me is activated. Today has been a very powerful morning. Today has been a very powerful morning. I'm appreciative of what is happening in me and what is emerging from me. I just came out of my meditation and had a powerful affirmative prayer. One of the great benefits of being back in New Jersey with my family is being able to so clearly see the patterns I've absorbed along the way that no longer serve me. One of the biggest default patterns that I have within me are the expectations about people or things outside of me satisfying a need within me. That always, always leads to disappointment. It's an illusion of control, and it's a misunderstanding of who and what is my source. People outside of me, my family, my friends, society, are not my source, but we've been told that they are. And I was walking around subtly and subconsciously needing people to say certain things or do certain things or act in ways that I thought I needed them to act. I don't want that anymore. I don't want anyone outside of myself to be responsible for what is mine to source and do. And the truth of the matter is that my source, this invisible essence of love intelligence, is already within me. This is the inward journey. When we moved into 2017, I was super clear. I wanted to be influential in this life. I wanted to help 10,000 people take the inward journey and set their real selves free. I didn't know it at the time, but with that expressed desire came the humbling understanding and clarity that I have to do this myself first. And as I do it, I'm uncovering so many stories and expectations. This is another thing that's really blowing my mind today. There's a difference between the momentum of the heart and the momentum of the past. The momentum of the past is what I've been observing by having these hour-long meditations. Why does my mind want to recreate the past? Because the mind is most comfortable with what's known and expected. When the heart says, let's do this new thing, it's coming from that field of infinite possibilities. And so the mind comes rushing in and squashes it. That inspiration to try something new contains a seed, and within it is everything that's necessary for the new growth and expression. But the mind comes in and tries to convince us that the heart doesn't know. How could it know? It's coming from nothing. The mind is coming at least from something that it knows. It works its way into the psyche, and the next thing you know, you've crushed your heart's desires, and you don't do the thing you want to do. I'm thinking about going back to Alaska and working where I worked last summer. I called them last week. Wonderful people, great conversation. But they told me they were already staffed. The first thing I had was this feeling of constriction and the doors closing on me. And I realized, wait a minute, that's my mind thinking that what I did last year, I have to do this year. That is your mind collapsing an infinite field of fresh and new possibilities for this summer into what it knew last year. The truth of the matter is, maybe my highest good isn't at that job. Maybe it's not about forcing this year to look like last year. I'm in a completely different space. I said I wanted to live from my heart. 
Maybe this summer, something is trying to emerge that doesn't look like last year. Instead of feeling bad or finding more evidence that something is working against me or finding evidence that makes me depressed, I'm saying, hold on a second. That's my mind talking. What is my heart saying today? This Michael Beckwith retreat and how it came to be is so powerful for me. I said yes to this meditation retreat back in February before I even submitted my application to go to the flow group and before I knew I'd be meditating for 100 days. But I needed something to resuscitate myself. So the first thing I set in motion was this meditation retreat. I stepped into the reality of that yes and reserved my place, knowing I would go, but not really knowing how it would work out. And now, several months later, it's coming up, and I've been delaying getting my airline ticket. Now I'm looking at tickets and thinking, so, you didn't buy an airline ticket when it was $200 because your mind told you you had to know all these things first. Had I just bought the ticket months ago, I would have known all those things. I could have created certainty out of uncertainty with that purchase. Now, of course, the tickets are much more expensive. There's my lack and limitation mind telling me that I have no income and all of this stuff. But you know what? I have a credit card. Though it's not ideal to have debt on a credit card, I do have one. Even more than that, I have an awareness today that the same intelligence that allowed me to hear about and be selected to go to the retreat with Kyle also put together the unbelievably specific details that allowed me to be financially able to go. That's the same intelligence that's working through this meditation weekend with Michael Beckwith, and it's worlds beyond my finite thinking. The trip of it is, when I came out of that retreat with Kyle, what did I commit to? More meditation than I've ever done in my life. I've been meditating for 48 days now, and next weekend, I'm going to be sitting in meditation with Michael Beckwith and 100 other people for an entire weekend. I've literally been training for this, but I had no idea this is how things would shake out. That is the infinite field of potentiality communicating to me that this is mine. The idea to commit to reconnecting with myself unfolded beyond what I could have ever imagined. Esther Hicks says that by the time an idea comes to us, it's already 99% complete. That's why it arrives as an inspired idea. But what do we do with inspired ideas? How often we say, how am I going to make this happen? I do anyway. And with that, we immediately stunt the arrival of that which is already mostly done. Pinning down the how is not mine to do. As creators, that's not ours to do. Within the inspired idea is potential momentum, the law of attraction, the substance of life itself. What's mine to do is to say, let's go, to welcome the idea, to allow it. But that's such a completely revolutionary way of thinking. We've been told that when you get an inspiration, you got to go make it happen. That's not what this is about. This is understanding that it already has happened, that it's already arriving. Saying yes is the first step. It's just like the seed. How the hell is it possible for the full expression of a rose to be in a tiny seed? We know that it is. We trust that it is. We believe that it is. We expect that seed to produce the thing we want. I am accepting that infinite intelligence now has room to emerge through me as the perfect purchase of my airline ticket. And wherever I go after that, whether back to New Jersey or Alaska, I'm fired up.
Day 49, Daughters Caring for Mothers. It's many hours after meditation. Today I'm feeling the shame I usually feel when I lose my cool with my mom. Being a caregiver and being a daughter caring for her mom while living together is every single thing. It's joy, sadness, fun, grief, ease and flow, and tremendous frustration. It calls on me to go to a depth of my compassion and my unconditional love and a way of being in service that is truly beyond anything I've ever done before. Fortunately, my mom and I have the kind of relationship where I can always go back and apologize to her, and we always come back to love. I'm grateful for that because the pressure was on. I was searching online to get that airline ticket to Los Angeles and found a ticket at a great price. One seat left. I went to get it, went to get it, went to get it, but it wasn't going through. It turns out it wasn't really an available seat, and the price had actually gone up while trying to buy it. I was finally able to get the ticket using every credit card I have, only to feel the shame of having no more available credit there. I was feeling frustrated that yesterday was such a powerful day of ease and flow, and today was like, wow, what happened? I went for a walk and calmed down and spoke to the God of my understanding and asked for a sign that it was hearing me and helping me reconcile these seeming opposites. On instinct, I turned around and went through the park on a path that leads through the little forest into the open field. All of a sudden from the side, here comes a butterfly. I have to say, that's a sign I can understand and a language I can understand. I have a ticket to Los Angeles, and that's all I have. That's all I know today. Day 50. How can I live fully from my heart without the dismantling of my mind? Wow, I'm at the halfway point in my experiment. 50 days. What are some of the things that I know after 50 days of doing this? I know that there is still an aspect of my mind that resists going into that meditation every single morning that says, I don't want to do this. We don't have to do this. Let's not do this. I also know that there are times when 60 minutes goes by in a flash. There are other times when it feels like the most painful four-hour-long 60 minutes that could ever exist in time and space. I know that I am more distant from my thoughts. I've become more of an observer of my thoughts. That has been an avenue to insight and inspiration. Being in observer's mode and being able to watch from a high perch has allowed me to see all sorts of patterns of thinking that have really been detrimental to my growth and health and peace of mind. I can see that they've kept me stuck, small, and safe in what's familiar and have gotten in the way of living fully from my heart. What could be more important to the goal of living from my heart than the dismantling of my mind? One is certainly leading to the other, I know that. I'm living on the edge of my own life. I'm going to this retreat with Michael Beckwith, and I don't have any information about where to go after that, or how I'm going to pay to go wherever I'm inspired to go after that. It's absolutely incredible. I feel pretty light and okay with it because it's so outrageous and funny that I'm just like, okay, sure, when you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. 
I can't lose all that I have, the most important thing of which is my consciousness and heart. All of the things I hold most valuable, I can't lose them. They're inherently mine, part of the eternal. I'm feeling good, and that's a good thing. I hope you are too. If you're not, remember, tell the story that makes you feel good. If you can't see the evidence of it, tell the story anyway until you start feeling as good as if it's actually there. And sure enough, it's on its way. Day 51, Emotional Rescue Today is an emotional day for me. I have these days when I come to New Jersey. First of all, it's 90-something degrees outside, and I'm way out of my comfort zone. I have to have the air conditioner on because otherwise, it's not a good scene. Also, when I'm here, I don't maintain a healthy balance between serving myself and serving my mom. This is a challenge because I'm in the house she's in. I don't have another place to retreat, just have this room upstairs. And though I'm grateful for it, it's difficult to balance putting the oxygen mask on myself and being of service to my mom. Next week I'm leaving for L.A., and I don't think I'm coming back for the summer. The best I can do is what I always do, which is to set my mom up with all sorts of good food, make a lot of meals and freeze them, and pull the New Jersey family members in. That's the best I can do as I try to lay a foundation for my own life. There's a lot of stuff going on in all of our personal lives, our families, our extended communities, our country, and in the world. Within all that, I have to stay committed to my emotional, vibrational journey and to feeling joy and peace at all costs. I have to do my spiritual practices that keep me centered in my real self that is eternal, not touched by the world of effects and the craziness going on around us. I don't know any other answer but to turn within, to turn toward my practices of meditation, prayer, quiet contemplation, walking, and healthy eating. I don't know much more than that. So that's where I'm going to keep my attention today. Day 52. I'm sitting with the one that knows. Listen deeply. I had a deep meditation today. At one point, I heard this voice that I always hear. Why are we doing this? It's taking too long. Look at the clock. This is enough. It's Saturday. We have so much to do. Then I heard another voice that said, stay in the seat. I realized, okay, don't get attached to those thoughts that are telling me to look at the clock. I've done that before. Just let it be. At some point towards the end of my meditation, I heard, you're sitting with the one that knows. Listen deeply. I settled in more deeply, whatever that means, or however that happened. I thought, wow, I'm sitting with the one that knows. I need to remember that it is inside me. It is in this gap, this space that I create in meditation, between the silence and the stimuli, between the inner world and the outer world. You, too, are sitting with the one that knows. Listen deeply. On my end, I'm choosing to allow that to settle within me in a deep and profound way. I am the one, and I am with the one that knows. The only thing to do is to listen deeply. I'm really spending these days talking to my heart, asking it to speak to me, and then listening intently. Day 53. Honesty is a choice. 
Honesty is a choice. To be real and authentic is absolutely a choice. There are many times when I come to this video with something in me that doesn't want to be honest. I know that's my ego because my ego wants me to present this perfect experience to you. My ego wants to present an outcome, a specific, positive, measurable, productive outcome from 53 days of meditation. My ego doesn't want me to be confused or uncertain. It doesn't want to own up to feeling the way I feel. It's a choice today to turn on this camera and be real. I'm going to see some high school friends I grew up with. I'm already thinking about how honest I'll be about how I feel. If you go to someone whose well is empty and you're looking for support or an understanding ear, you don't always get the compassion you may have thought you were going to get. It can be very uncomfortable when you're open, raw, and the person you're talking to is not able to deal with that. In that case, my heart closes. I retreat inward, putting up my protective walls and saying, nope, never again, I'm not doing this. It's a constant choice to open the heart over and over when all it wants to do, often, is close as a form of protection. Close off from the stimuli, the feeling state, the craziness happening in our world. It takes mindful intention and action to stay open in the midst of all of this. This is one of the most challenging times of my life. It hasn't been this uncertain in a long, long time. I still feel unsettled and indecisive. Man alive, those are uncomfortable feelings. Is it uncomfortable because I'm resisting it? Maybe. All I can do is say, I feel uncomfortable and I love that. I feel indecisive and I embrace that. I feel confused and unsure and I'm loving that too. That's the idea, to unclench the fists of resistance by acknowledging the issue and loving it so it can dissolve and the heart stays open. We keep the heart open. My ego is definitely active today. It's already telling me to shut this down. I've said too much. And all I can do is love that too. That egoic voice of survival. It comes out of fear and needs approval and love. It does all things to be seen and loved. But I've seen some anger come out of myself these last few days, and I guess I have to love that too. I've seen myself be very agitated and annoyed and say mean-spirited things. All I can do is keep coming back to the forgiveness and my heart and to just stay with whatever is happening. Right now, it feels like I should have a different story after going 53 days into this experiment. I'm going to sit with gratitude and raise my vibration a little bit and prepare myself to go to Asbury Park to meet up with some girlfriends. I'm looking forward to an afternoon of laughter and accepting each other exactly as we are. It will be wonderful. Day 54. Life is what happens to you when you're making other plans. 37 minutes into my meditation this morning, my mom called me from the bottom of the stairs. She couldn't get her earring in her ear as she's getting ready to go to bingo. She was clearly frustrated. I chose to come out of my meditation and go downstairs to help her. I helped her finish dressing and made sure she had everything she needed. After she left, I finished the hour of silence. Yesterday, I drove to Asbury Park to meet with some friends, three of us, girlfriends all the way back to grammar school and high school. 
It was a wonderful thing to come together as grown women and laugh and remember and dream to dare ourselves to keep our hearts open. An open heart is a choice, just like honesty. I've been watching these videos that we received after going through the Flow Group weekend, and the one I'm on now is talking about the heart, closed as well as open. It was talking about how the closed heart often comes from our own inner resistance that we build up, whether we're aware of it or not. A closed heart is also a result of being in an argument with ourselves, being against ourselves. The video also talked about how you have to become okay with all of that in order to keep the heart open. That was exactly what I was saying earlier with my friends as we were walking on the boardwalk yesterday. How in the face of pain and uncertainty, keeping the heart open is a courageous act. And yet, that's where it all is. The open heart knows that there's more to existence, and yet it doesn't know all the details. It's not necessarily supposed to know the how of the details, yet nestled inside of it is the how. But you've got to be in the open heart before you can get all those juicy details. Why would all of the details of the how be released to something that's not fully committed and ready? Today is a very frizzy-haired Monday, and I strongly experienced the urge to close my heart earlier today after getting in an argument with another person. I made the choice not to close, and I'm now standing in the midst of an open heart, very much like these gorgeous flowers outside of my mom's window that have been tightly closed buds. But something deep within them is causing them to bloom and stretch the green skin that encased them, pushing that back as the petals begin to appear and open, seemingly without pain. But you know that somewhere inside there, Something uncomfortable is happening. As Anais Nin said, the time came when it was more painful to remain in the closed tight bud than what it took to bloom. The open heart is the bloom. Day 55. I am a perfect expression of a perfect love. Visiting my girlfriend has stirred up a lot in me particularly the conversation we had about the book Illusions by Richard Bach. When we were 18, my friends and I read that book, a book that laid the foundation of an attitude that's been with us, with me, all this time, and has forever shaped my life. We started talking about our age and how youthful we feel and look, and how people are often like, what? You can't be that age. One of my friends said, it's our attitude, and it's true. That book and the beliefs we cultivated at such an early age made us choose to believe that anything is possible, that limitations and walls are all illusions. And now, Richard Bach is releasing Illusions 2, Tales of a Reluctant Student. My friend gave each of us this book on Sunday as we sat on the beach on the old lifeguard chair, just like we'd done so many years ago. We stared out at the ocean with few words and full hearts, our minds swimming in and out of past, present, and future time. Who would have ever thought there would be an illusions too? Richard Bach never thought it would happen, but here it is. The thread that runs through this book is the illusions of death, injury, and permanent damage, while exploring the power of affirmations to communicate from the spirit to our minds and bodies a truth we believe in but cannot see. 
This is really the crux of the teaching that I brought into this year, 2017. Taking the inward journey, turning away from effects, turning inward, connecting with my real self and setting that free. I marvel at the perfection of it all. I marvel at my mind's focus on the imperfection of it all. I'm grateful for the meditation that has distanced me from the two so that I can simply see with the eyes of spirit what is true. In a couple of days, I will grab a small suitcase and fly to L.A. to meditate with Dr. Michael Beckwith and 99 other people who are going off to the desert to be in silence for at least 48 hours. I'll carpool out with a wonderful woman I connected with. I'm affirming that someone will house me for a few days after the retreat. I feel like I need to be someplace where no one knows me so I can decompress and gather myself with no demands from the outside world. No caretaking roles. No roles at all. Day 56. I surrender. Today, my video avoidant self had to record not just one, but two videos after I accidentally deleted the first one. That's just kind of how the day's been going. I'm trying to print out my boarding pass, but that's not working either. I'm feeling the need to surrender, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let this all be, but because I have this commitment to do these videos, I had to throw something on even though it's 10.30 at night. Today I had an unfortunate moment in which I chose to be an expression less than love. Like a riptide, I got caught in the undercurrent of a high drama exchange and ended up yelling and participating in a shouting match, after which I felt very sad and heavy and shameful that I didn't opt for a higher choice. Then I realized what was mine to do was to apologize. And my ego was immediately like, we're not apologizing. They did this and we were right and they were wrong. On and on. I realized that if I'm going to be the vibration of love, I have to at least get back to the vibration of love as soon as I realize I've left it. So I called and left a sincere apology. I have to figure this out. I have to figure out how to remain calm and tethered to my source connected to the truth of who I am, without getting charged up and triggered and reacting from a place less than love. I've got plenty of opportunities to master this. Plenty. I had several just today, but I didn't choose to master that in the moment. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep thanking everybody who's coming into my life and doing whatever they're doing to help me master this, because I really want to. I really want to be the vibration of love. How am I ever going to get onto the higher version of why I am alive in this particular time if I can't master interpersonal relationships? When I say master, I get that I'm human and will slip up. But I'm disappointed that today I went unconscious or, worst of all, I stayed unconscious and kept going. I'm disappointed I didn't pull one of the hundreds of different ways I could have dealt with the situation from my tool bag. But you know what? It's over now, many hours ago, so why am I keeping it alive with my word? Tomorrow morning, I'm off to California. When I told my soul brother, Kaleem, about only having a one-way ticket, he said, that's it, there's no coming back. In other words, there's no turning back now. And sure, I'm eventually coming back to this place, but there's something outrageous and perfect about the metaphor. I have a couple of hundred dollars in my bank account and no ticket to come back. And yet, 
I feel at peace and totally supported because something higher is at work here. Maybe it's my own insanity. We'll see. But whatever it is, I'm living from my heart right here and right now. Free falling. Day 57. Upping my game. I flew to L.A. on Thursday morning and joined 100 other people for a meditation retreat. As Michael Beckwith says, we retreat to advance. It was an amazing experience at Royal Ranch Way, 900 sacred acres of land out in the Lucerne Valley. You've had that experience, right, where you are literally feeling the vibration of the earth under your feet and through you? That was my experience at Royal Ranch. It took 30 years for these people to shape the ranch into the gorgeous place it is today, and it was just a blessing. Lisa Solis DeLong, the woman who picked me up and drove me to the retreat, was also a blessing. Each person who crossed my path was absolutely placed there purposefully, and I'm so grateful for it all. Lisa is also in her 50s and is a dancer, an author, and a nurse. She's written a book titled Blood Brothers. She's been on the speaking circuit with her book and is now also asking the question, what else is seeking to emerge? After arriving at the ranch, we immediately went to check in and find out which house we were assigned to, some of which are a fair distance from the main building. They showed us the map, and my housing for the weekend was extremely far from the main area. So immediately my mind was telling me, this is a bad thing. How dare they put me so far away from everything? I registered back in February. Shouldn't that mean something now? Immediately, my mind was presenting this housing as a less-than situation for me, that because of where I was assigned to stay, I was going to have a less-than experience. I was listening to my mind present this to me, and finally I interrupted it and said, that can't be true because this is where I'm being put. There must be a reason why I'm there. Lisa drove me to the house because it was about a 15- or 20-minute walk from the main area. I walk into a huge room with eight single beds lined up. However, the woman there assigning beds said to me, you're in the back room. It has its own bath as well. And who is my roommate but Jen Carlson? Who is Jen Carlson? She's a punk rock drummer who was just working the Desert Trip concert with Neil Young, Bob Dylan, and Paul McCartney. My rock and roll radio show producing heart was ecstatic. So was I in the right place? Absolutely. Jen and I had an amazing experience, and before the weekend was over, we were already talking about when we'd get to connect again. She's a wonderful woman, and getting to know her was an amazing experience. Day 58. Learn to be still. I learned a lot about meditation from Michael Beckwith, who is a powerful teacher. To be in such an intimate setting, Learning with and from him and 100 other people, that changed my life. I've never done that much meditation at once. Michael said something so profound and simple about meditation, that meditation is the practice of honing the skill to be still, of being able to observe your thoughts. I'd never heard it put like that before. It was all about placing our intention and then being mindful of our attention. We came into this new understanding about meditation being something that strengthens our muscles and our ability to be still and observe. We disentangle ourselves from our thoughts. 
We no longer identify ourselves as our thoughts, and we can see that there's a mind behind the mind. We're able to step out of the mind that's in front of the mind, the only mind that really is. We're able to take that seat and observe. It was just so powerful. Day 59, Practicing This Art of Being Still We started our first meditation at 6 a.m. I proved to myself that I could get up at 5 a.m. if I wanted to, and I really wanted to. What a committed group this was. A couple flew in from China. Three people, including myself, flew in from New Jersey. The power in the room was really great because everybody was there to up their game and go deeper.